All right, as you're being seated, if you will find your Bible, open your app, whatever you use to follow along, and go with me to Matthew chapter 28, and then we will move over into Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 today. I remember at my sister's high school graduation, I was about in the 8th grade, and we went out. Back in that time, you used to go out to the football stadium for graduation, and so we went out to the Keller High football stadium, and we're celebrating her graduating from high school, and they had a guest speaker, and I cannot remember his name, but there was something he said that as an eighth grader stuck with me, and I've never forgotten it. He was talking about life to these graduating seniors, and he said to them, he said, "Uh, life is like a pond. You can jump into that pond, and whenever you do, your life will have ripples, and make a difference. Or you can kind of just put your toe in the pond and take it out, and nobody will really even know that you existed. And I remember hearing that, and for whatever reason, it was just one of those times where the story stuck with me. And I don't know about you, but, but I want to be a cannonball. I want to jump in to the pond of life and, and make a difference, and I want there to be ripple effects from the life that I live that uh, are seen in the lives of my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I don't want to just be a sunbather in life who sits on the sidelines and watches as other people really live. But now one of the problems that you discover is that uh, the world is so massive, and the problems of this world are so deep that if life's a pond, it, it really feels more like the Atlantic. Uh, it's, it's deep, it's, it's massive, and you can only change so much. You can only impact so many people. And for those of us that have a few years behind us, you, you begin to feel almost like uh, life is uh, a time at the diving board at the local pool. Uh, you know, you wait your line, you take your time, you jump in, uh, ripples take place, splash occurs, everybody goes yay, and then you swim to the side, the next person jumps in, and they even forget that you were in the pool. The circle of life just seems to continue going on. And so here's a question that I want you to wrestle with today. It's a question that I wrestle with in my own life. How can you make a difference and change the world? How can your life make a difference? And realizing that the world is so large that it takes more than just you or me alone to really bring about change, but how can we have ripple effects in our life so that we outlive our lifetime? Now, I'm going to give you my answer right up front, and you're free to disagree with this answer, but this is my answer to this, and I'm going to try to convince you that there's merit to this. My answer is that the way to impact the world the greatest is to become a part of the movement known as the church. Now, most of the time, whenever we think of the church, we think of a place. We go to church. But Jesus, who was the originator of the church, he never defined, never described the church as a place with a nice steeple. He didn't describe the church as a place where there's fun activities for the kids or good casseroles, and I love casseroles, and I love activities for the kids. But he didn't describe uh, the church as a place where there'll be a great band or an endurable sermon or a, a deepening relationships with people. Jesus described the church as a movement. In Matthew 28 
and verse 18. Jesus has already been crucified. He's already risen from the dead. The Bible says that Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus is saying, all right, what I'm about to tell you, you're going to go out and do this under my authority. And I've earned this authority by dying for your sins and rising again. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. So we have a very clear goal. This is the goal of the church, that we are to be making disciples. He says, make disciples of all nations. So we have a scope. We are to be making disciples, not just of people that are like you and me, but we're to be making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, notice the Trinity there in that term. And then verse 20, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. I love the way the NIV translates it. It says, teaching them to obey which essentially goes beyond just knowledge, but we are living life together. We are teaching one another what it means to live out the commandments of Christ. And then Jesus says, and remember this, I am with you always to the end of the age. So glad to have uh, Private Peter Brown with us here today from the United States Marine Corps. Uh, Peter, we're glad to have you. Proud of you. And uh, you've you've completed your training, your basic training now, correct? Did I get the term correct? All right. And uh, uh, I imagine there were some times that Peter felt very alone as he was going through that, but I'm so glad that the scriptures say that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us to the end of the age. So we have a mission, a movement activity as a church that we are to go and make disciples. Now, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend to his Father. Now, the next time that he comes, it will be the second coming, so he tells his disciples what their instructions are. Now, if Jesus is floating up in the air and giving you some instructions, you might want to listen at that point. Well, here's what he says in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we have, again, a progression. You will be my witnesses in your community, Jerusalem, and that will go beyond Jerusalem to Judea, which is similar to the state of Texas, uh, Samaria, which is cross-cultural, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses, Jesus says. That implies movement. That implies activity. Uh, Later on in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter is preaching. And remember, Peter was the one who did what to Jesus at the crucifixion time? He betrayed him. He denied him. So Peter is a story of grace. A few months later, he's preaching and he says, repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say in verse 41, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and, about, and that day about 3,000 were added to them. Movement, activity. Story of Christ is going outward. Within weeks after Christ's ascension, 
the number of believers went from about 500 to 5,000. Within 70 years after Christ gave us these scriptures, the gospel began to spread through Europe, through Asia, and Africa. The message was going outward. It was a movement. It was illegal during the early years of Christianity to be a Christian. Rome dominated the world. You've read stories about how people were persecuted for their faith and the emperor Nero and all that activity, the Roman Colosseum being fed to the lions. Even through all that persecution, the church continued to expand. In 312 AD, Constantine, the emperor of Rome, becomes a convert to Christianity and he legalizes Christianity within the empire. Well, now this presented an incredible opportunity for the expansion of the movement because now the emperor is behind it. But unfortunately, two things happened instead. Instead of a movement, the church started becoming an organization. And as it developed bureaucracy, the church became more and more corrupt. And over time, the goal became to preserve the organization. Well, fast forward the clock. You have the Reformation, which I'm sure that you've studied in in school with Martin Luther and Hubmeyer and Zwingli and all those guys. And then you had the foundation of America. And in many ways, America was supposed to be the great rediscovery. Uh, People came to this country pursuing religious freedom. And the gospel was a major part of why people were part of the movement that is known as America. And the gospel began to spread in this country. Churches began to spring up all over the nation. And at the fabric of the United States was a movement of the church, the gospel. But alas, in uh, many of our churches, I'm not going to say all, but in many of the churches in our country, the same problems began to take root. Instead of a movement, the church became an organization And eventually the goal became to simply preserve the organization. Now I want to talk to you today as a pastor to his congregation. uh, And somewhat we're going to deal with some nuts and bolts things and some stuff that you may not hear every week in church. Uh, We're going to have to kind of plow through some information along the way. I need your attention today. And so please make an effort to hear what I'm saying. Uh, Murphy Road is not a big church. We would be classified as a medium-sized church. But we want to have a big footprint in our community. That's why we use the term kind of in a humorous way, Bigfoot Church. Because we want to have a big impact in the community around us. Now, we also realize that we are not the only church in town. We want to be a part of the movement known as the church. And and I hope that we never as a congregation start seeing the churches around us as competition. That is a very unhealthy way to think. As Christians, the churches around us are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in this together, and we need one another. And we have six emphases that, that we have to try to reach our goal of having ripple effects of having a larger, expanding footprint around us. And so I want to talk to you about those six emphases today. The first is this, that as a church, we will be one church with 500 locations. 
one church with 500 locations. Now, what do you mean by that, Lash? Are we going to start building buildings everywhere? No. You're the church. The people are the church. And so Murphy Road goes wherever you go. And I hope that as a congregation we can begin grasping this mentally and realizing that you don't just go to church, but you you worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and then you go out to be the church. And so the church is located in your home. The church is located in your school. The church is located in in the hospital, in the place where you work. Wherever it is that you go, if you go on vacation to Hawaii or to uh, uh, Orlando or to Asia or wherever you are, and by the way, if you ever go on vacation and need a renewal of vows, I'll be glad to come with you, but uh, uh, all I need is my expenses paid. But uh, when you go on vacation, you are being the church going out serving God. We want to be one church with 500 locations, and I hope you begin seeing the world around you as an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we want to be a church right here. Somebody asked me one time, what is the vision that you have for Murphy Road? And I said, my vision is to be a church, and they kind of looked at me like, and where I'm going with this is is that uh, as a church, we do some crazy things. Uh, we study the Bible. I know, I know, crazy. Uh, we sing songs to God. We pray. We have life groups where we gather with other believers to study the Bible. Uh, we, we take an offering, and we use that offering to try to help with the ministry. We actually believe the Bible. We actually believe that there are certain things that are truth, that's Scripture from God, and, and that we're supposed to live that out. We believe, this is really radical, we believe that God exists. We believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died on the cross for our sins. We believe in eternity. We want to be a church. And, and I'm not trying to, to throw rocks at, at other ministries, but I do think that there has been a tendency over the last 20, 30 years within American Christianity to try to be so cool and so relevant that at times churches have forgotten that they're a church. And we have to live in the decade that we're in. I'm not saying we need to go back to the 50s. But you've got you to be a church. And that's part of our vision that whenever you come here, you will be taught the Scriptures. You will be taught how to be a disciple, that you will be given opportunities to serve God faithfully, and to grow in your walk with Him. Thirdly, we want to be planting new churches. We want to be a church who helps plant new congregations. Over the last 18 months, we've had the privilege of working with four new church plants. How many of you guys knew that? Anybody know that? A few of you? Okay. Uh, We were able to uh, help establish a Spanish worship service, which meets at 12 o'clock every Sunday over in the... uh, Uh, edge building that may turn into a church at one time. Right now it's a worship service. We're praying about the Lord's direction there. Uh, We were able to uh, be a part of Brother Benoit's church plant to Asian Indians. And Benoit, you guys are meeting now for worship on Sunday afternoons. And Benoit is going to be ordained next Sunday, I believe, pending you pass your questions. this, this Thursday, we're going to sit down with him and grill him on some questions. But, uh, you know, we were able to be a part of his church plant. Uh, 30 of us went to Denver this sun, summer, 
and help the Bridge Church uh, that's trying to be established in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, Brother Sampson's back from India where we have planted the Solid Rock Church there in India and have started, established a second congregation there. Uh, We have two worship services that take place every Sunday morning to senior communities, which I have a heart for because I I think of a senior adult who has gone to their church for years and years, and now they're in a community where they don't have the flexibility to get out and do the things that they love, and we can take the church to them and do church there. So we have a service at Founders Plaza, uh, another one at Orchard Park. We do, I believe, a monthly service at Winters Park as well. Uh, We're also part of 10 additional church plants here in Collin County that we work with uh, the Collin Association of Churches to help establish within our community, planting churches. A fourth thing, community missions. Over the last couple months, we were able to begin working with Church Under the Tree, which goes out and reaches reaches out to some people that nobody else really seems to care about. And once a month, we come and provide a meal for these people and uh, and lead them in, in worship time. And Church Under the Tree meets there every week at the park and, and tries to minister to these folks that, that are in some ways down on their luck. Uh, last month, we collected blankets for the homeless. I was so thrilled to see people walking into church with blankets <laughs> that they were going to be giving to those that would be cold during these months. Uh, we have a prison ministry. Clifford Dickerson leads a Bible study in the prison uh, every week. Uh, we have various service projects. There's now a mission menu that is printed every other month that gives you as a family, you as an individual, you as a life group, tangible things within your community that you can do to get involved in community ministries. Why? Because as a church, we want to have ripple effects. We want to be a part of the movement that Jesus established known as the church. Fifth, calling out the called. As a congregation, this is not a place where just a couple of people do everything. We want you to find a niche where you can serve. The scriptures talk about equipping the saints for ministry. So we want to try to help you find a place where you can get involved in service that fits your gift set. I mean, if you're grumpy, we don't want you being a greeter, okay? Uh, that's not a good deal, okay? Welcome to church. The sermon stinks today, but here's your guide, all right? You know, we don't need that, but if you're friendly and you like people, be a greeter. You can be a teacher. There's various opportunities for you to get involved in service. And one of the things that really just excites me is how many people from our church are now involved in full-time ministry. Uh, Samson doing ministry in India virtually full-time. Jack and Mary, a couple in our church that were in their retirement years, uh, decided to sell everything they have and go to Thailand to be missionaries. Jim England, a man that used to work in our 830 band, he was an executive for Perot Industries for most of his life. He's now serving God faithfully as a music minister at South Fork Church. Don Cole, who was a member of our church, is now the pastor in the last couple months, became the pastor of First Baptist Church of Siegelville. Robert Gifford, who used to run the sound and be a part of our band, was called to ministry and is now at Southwestern Seminary studying for the ministry. Paul Rack, who was a member of our church, became the part-time children 
children's minister and now is serving God full-time as a children's minister at Eastridge Baptist Church in Red Oak. Amy Phillips, who was a member of our church, sat in these various seats just like you, became the preschool coordinator and is now the children's coordinator at Lake Point Church, a, a huge church, and she's running children's ministry because she learned how to serve God faithfully right here at Murphy Road. Now, what this means is we may not always be the most polished church in town, but we want to be a place where people have opportunities to serve. And there may be people who are still developing and growing and learning, but we want to help them and give them and give them an opportunity and encourage them in their ministry. Now, a sixth thing that we can do to have ripple effects is to aggressively support missionary activities. And frankly, one of the ways that we aggressively support that is financially. I've been here a little over five years. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. And I I remember a, a few years back whenever we were praying about coming to Murphy Road. A couple of you guys, I think, were on the committee. I see Amy over there. She was on the search team. So if you don't like me, it's Amy's fault. She was part of the team that brought me in. So, you know, blame her, blame her. Uh, But uh, I remember as we were praying about this coming here, one of the things that really stuck out to us was the commitment that this church had financially to mission activity. Last year, 2012, uh, the reporting year is October to October, Uh, this church gave $124,000 to missions. Now, we're not a huge church. Uh, We we took in last year, our undesignated offerings were about $726,000, and $124,000 of that went directly out the door to missions. We could do a lot of different things here with that $124,000, but the goal is to be part of the movement. I don't think that many people realize that Murphy Road tithes to missions. You know, so, that, so you have this model is, as you as an individual give a tithe to the church, the church also tithes to mission. We give 10% straight off the top, out the door. Uh, you can go to church for many, many years, I've found, in, in Baptist churches and never have this explained. So let me explain this to you quickly, okay? Uh, 10% is given to missions. 2% of that we use to fund local mission efforts ourselves. In other words, it helps Samson with India. It helps uh, Jack and Mary in Thailand. It helps with Denver. It helps with our church plants. It helps with uh, the the ministry to senior communities. 2% of that is used for that activity. 2% is given to the Collin Baptist Association. Uh, There's 100 churches in that association, and the Collin Baptist Association works with those churches to help strengthen them, support them when they go through times of transition, and to strategize for where we need new churches within our county. Our county has almost a million people right now. It's scheduled to grow to 2 million people in the next 20 to 25 years. 40% of our county right now says they have zero, none religious affiliation. As part of the Collin Association, we're trying to make a difference, have ripple effects within our county. Uh, There's a missionary by the name of Vince Smith who's a member of our church. Anybody know Vince? A few of you. He's a bad member because he's never here. And and the reason why he's never here is because he's out serving in the churches on Sunday mornings. But Vince's job is to be a pastor to the pastor and to serve the churches in the county and to help make a difference right here in Collin County. Uh, 6% of our offerings go to what is called the cooperative program. 
It's a means, it's a vehicle through which we support missions. Now, every month we write two checks. Uh, 3% of our offerings go to a missions organization called the Baptist General Convention of Texas. 3% goes to an organization called the Southern Baptist of Texas. They do mission activity here in the state of Texas. Okay? Now, within their budget, there is a percentage that they then send on to the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, within the BGCT, it's in the 30s. Within the SBTC, it's in the 50s. So they then send on monies to, they pass on millions of dollars to the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention has an annual budget. And within that annual budget, they distribute monies that were given in churches just like this to missionaries, to major areas of ministry. They have things like the International Mission Board, which has over 4,000 missionaries overseas. The North American Mission Board, which has over 5,000 missionaries here in our country. There's the Christian Life Commission. There's uh, the Baptist Press. There's six seminaries where ministers are trained to serve in churches. When you give a dollar into the offering plate, a portion of that is supporting all of that. Now, again, I know I'm, I'm doing nuts and bolts type things here, so stick with me. Twice a year, as a church, we take up special mission offerings. Now, this is above and beyond what we do within our our budget. We have a Christmas January, December, January offering that's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. All the monies raised in that mission offering goes towards international missions. At Easter time, will participate in what's called the Annie Armstrong Mission Offering, which goes to help North American missionaries. In 2012, $149 million was raised for international missions. All of that was given by this church. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right? All right? Seeing if you're still awake, okay? Uh, The reason why I put that out there is because we're a part of a bigger movement. $6.5 million was raised for hunger relief. We're a part of a bigger movement. There were 24,073 new churches planted just internationally in 2012. We're a part of that movement. 266,451 baptisms internationally. We're a part of that movement. 4,822 missionaries that are supported by the dollars that are given in churches. We're a part of that movement. And that is why I say that the movement known as the church is the single greatest way for your life to change the world. Through government, you can change people's laws. You can extend or take away freedoms. Through education, you can change the way that people think. You can expose them to new ideas. You can teach them to think critically. Through art and music, you can change people's emotions. You can tap into the nerve center of the soul and draw out of them emotions and creativity. Through major transportation or through modern transportation, you can change people's locations and you can expose them to other cultures and new parts of the world. Through electronics, you can change people's communications. 
You can have one person connected to thousands of people at all times. Through healthcare, you can change people's bodies. You can improve people's quality of life and sometimes even extend lifespan. Through moral teaching, you can change people's behavior by establishing laws of morality and ethics. But you, there's still a problem that none of these things change. You see, government, education, art, music, electronics, healthcare, moral teaching, all of those things can be helpful, but none of these things change the basic problem of the human soul, which is found in the human heart. There's a problem. We all know that there is a part of our world that is just broken, a part of our world that is dark, and so many of us are clawing and scratching, trying to to make a difference, and yet we still have this nagging reality that, that something is just broken, and I would submit to you that what is truly broken within our world is the human heart, the soul. The soul of mankind is in desperate need of forgiveness because we've all sinned. We've all done things that are wrong. And so we're in need of God's forgiveness, His grace, His mercy. We're in need of a salvation that can only come from something that is beyond my capacity. And not only am I in need of forgiveness myself, but I am also in need of the capacity to extend forgiveness to others. Because not only have I sinned, but others around me have sinned, and I live in a world that is saturated by sin. And hear me on this. You've been hurt. You've been done wrong. You've experienced unfairness because people around you are in need of forgiveness just like you. And the gospel, when it begins to change my heart, it empowers me to see others through the lens of the gospel and to extend forgiveness to others as well. The only solution to the problem of the human heart is the gospel. And that's why I say the local church is the hope of the world, because it stewards the message of eternity, the simple message that God loves you, the creator of it all loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son, and his son died on the cross for your sins and mine, and his son overcame death. And the scriptures say, so that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And when one encounters the gospel, whenever one encounters the forgiveness of the gospel and the grace of the gospel, when one comes alive in Christ, it changes the human heart and when the human heart begins to change, that's when the world begins to change. You see, when spreading the message of the gospel becomes a part of who you are, then who you are can change the world. Who you are will have ripple effects. Who you are will continue to live even after you've gone to be with the Father. You can change the world. You can make a difference by being a part of this movement that we call the church.
Would you be so kind to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment? The band's going to come and lead us in worship. I'll be here at the front if there's anything that I can pray with you about. It's always my joy to be there for you. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing here And it's nice to be able to talk about what has been done, yet at the same time, we realize there's so much more to be done. And so, Lord, I I pray that we'll always be pressing forward to be a part of you, to be a part of what you're doing in the world around us. Help us, Lord, to be involved in your agenda instead of always asking you to be a part of our agenda. Lord, help us not to waste our life. Help us to invest our life in something that lasts forever, in something that's real. I thank you for the teachers, for the business people, for the students, for the nurses, the doctors, all the folks that are in this room. And however where they go, they have an opportunity to be a part of the movement. Help us, Lord, to have a big impact on the world around us. And when we've gone to be with you, may the ripples of our life still be flowing. In Jesus' name, amen.